Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Coming up, we promised you a gold medal winner and this week's guest is a very special one. Stu Robinson from GB Wheelchair Rugby. And even on the day of the, the gold medal match, uh, I remember sitting on the bus uh, with a teammate and he's he was chatting to me saying he can't believe that we're going to come away from here with at least a, gold, uh, at least a silver medal. And that quote quite wasn't settling well with me um, because the goal had changed it again. Even though we were reaching the gold medal match, we had to win that day. And win they did. The first European country to medal at a Paralympics in wheelchair rugby. Now, Stu describes himself as a fairly unemotional man, but the winning moment reminded him of how far he's come. When the final buzzer went in, in Tokyo, um, that was a realisation. Well, maybe a little bit earlier than that because when I knocked the American guy down, I knew that we were going <laughs> to yeah. win. But I knew that, that mathematically when the buzzer had gone, we were definitely won. And from a personal level, from going, waking up in hospital, realising that I'd gone from Afghanistan at one point to now being in hospital bed with a newfound disability and how am I going to go forward was, this is my, my goal and, and where I come from. And, um, very emotional and kind of a lot to take in, but I kind of enjoyed the, the moment and wanted to, to celebrate it very much. And this is obviously a testament to it all. So, yeah. Now, that was really, really special one for me, Jules, that conversation. Um, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy... We did the classic, didn't we, when he got out the gold medal. We were like, oh, it's heavy. And everyone says exactly well, it, the same it, thing. It was a lot bigger than I was expecting. In <laughs> fact, it, it did have an eye-watering circumference. I was not really expecting it to be that big, but it was a big one. It was a big one and it was heavy and uh, he he has a special pouch that he keeps it in um, in his wheelchair which I think was uh, was nice. He's done quite a lot of um, chats in school since he's been back from Tokyo as I'm sure a lot of gold medal, medal winning athletes have done the same and um, he went into one school and all the kids had just had croissants for breakfast and their I mean, sticky fingers all over the gold. Firstly, what sort of school is giving out croissants? Croissants! <laughs> I mean, that's your sort of education, not mine. No, we never had croissants. We get lucky to get an apple and a, no, and a box of milk. That's, that's not true. Box of milk, yeah. Box of milk. Everyone had that. Let's focus in on forces sport to begin with. Um, some great success over the weekend for military boxers again. A really good win for army boxer Carnell Brown. Lance Corporal did ever so well at the English... I keep calling them the English ABAs, Amateur Boxing Association. It's had a name change uh, in the last 12 months. So he is the cruiserweight title holder now at the English ABAs. Well done to him. He's got a very, I don't want to say unorthodox approach. He tries to hit as a... I'm, and I'm, I'm sure if you're not a boxing fan, when I say he tries to hit his opponent as hard as he can, you'll be <laughs> I going... I thought that was the yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. But he... he really does try to he puts everything into every punch there's not really much of a a guard going on but somehow even though he had a point docked um for for bringing his opponent's head in far too much in in the last round even though he had that point deducted he still won so i think it showed that over the course of those very intense three rounds that that he he was the worthy winner and it gives him a shot now he goes up to sheffield to trial with GB. So that's fantastic news for him. Commiserations, I must say, uh, to Lucy Kishaleska. She was having a go at the women's uh, welterweight. Is it 69 kilograms? Anyway, 69 kilograms she was fighting at. She was up against an opponent called Jodie Wilkinson. Jodie Wilkinson is already on the GB squad. But I think courtesy of reaching the final, Lucy now gets a trial as well up at GB in Sheffield. So as well as Karis up there, Tori Ellis-Willits up there as well. We may see Lucy there in the future. I think she's got back to the potential. And I think working with, if she gets in and she's working with those GB boxers, 
uh, she's one to watch as well. So that's good. Your little boxing leads nicely into the Royal Navy Sports Awards, where it was boxing that took took the top two prizes. Um, this that was last week. Sophie Colborn and George Crotty were named well, Sportswoman well, and yeah. Sportsman of the Year. Let me just tell you that uh, Carnell Brown fought George Crotty the last time the ABAs were on, and Crotty won through. So those two have met each other since then. Carnell has stepped up a weight. You've right. glazed over. I've lost you. Uh, not at all. It's just I just want to mm. hear their reactions to winning those awards. No, it doesn't happen very often. Um, we had a we had a really good team. I think there was about seven or eight of us. But with the all the, all the experience that I carry, um, I helped all the girls across the board. We helped each other, to be honest with you. But it was good to see them have success as well. And you know, first time for everyone. And everyone was like, "Oh, Royal Navy have a female boxing team." So it was quite strong. It looked good. Um, and we perform well. If it weren't for the Marines and the Navy, I wouldn't do any of it. I wouldn't be on GB. Wouldn't wouldn't have got to any of the level that I've got to. But it's for the G, it's for the uh, Marines and Navy that I get it for it really. And I do and I do so well because of them. You certainly are. Now tell me, there's one thing I would like to ask you about. A little bird told me earlier on that you starred in a TV show called The Chase. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? That was Glenn, was it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, come on, spill yeah. the beans. I just got a few bad questions and then it all went downhill <laughs> from there, really. I, have, I had no idea he was on The Chase. Of course, a TV, um, TV programme hosted by Bradley Walsh. But did you, did you know about that? Uh, I've got no idea what the chase is. <laughs> Sorry, I've never watched it. That's, I just know that it was. Well, you it... gave you gave me a bad question. So, uh... <laughs> well, by the sounds of things, George didn't do too well. So maybe stick to boxing. Sophie, of course, won the 2019 Haringey Box Cup in December last year, and she got to the semi-finals of the Winter Box Cup, and she led the first ever female-only Navy team to the final of the Golden Girl Tournament in Sweden. Other winners on the night included Young Sports Person of the Year Theo Dodds from Shooting. The Team of the Year was already announced as the Equestrian Dressage Team and Chris Mullen was named Official of the Year for his work with Navy Judo. If you want to see the highlights from the awards then you can do so by going on the Forces News Facebook page where the event was live streamed and also on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel or at forces.net where you can see all the stories we cover. Now again we revisit Winter Sports because it's another the stunning weekend for the GB1 sled in Winterberg with Royal Marine Taylor Lawrence and para Nick Gleason in the sled. The four-man team, driven by Brad Hall, seem to be finding their groove. They, their start in the second run yesterday was the second fastest across the whole field, which I think, Jules, says, I mean, we all know that Brad Hall is an exceptional driver, but if they're getting fast starts across such a world-class field, that says a lot about the powerhouses at the back, which includes Taylor and um, Nick. Yeah, is the engine room. The brakemen, those are the three guys that you see piling in behind the driver and ducking down. But they are the engine room. They are the powerhouses, as you say. And they've certainly found their rhythm, which is great leading into an Olympic year. So hopefully they can keep that going. But do you know what? British bobsleigh have always been fantastic at the start because of their backgrounds in rugby, all the plyometric based sports that you can think of, track and field. We've always been very good at the start. It's just somehow... Because we don't have a, perhaps because we don't have a, a bobsleigh track in the UK, it's normally the driving that perhaps has, has, I don't want to say let us down, but we've lost our way a little bit. So we've always been very good at the starts and this is encouraging. So as I say, as we go into that Olympic year, hopefully they can keep it going. Well, I mean, it's only February, you know, it's really not that far off and they're, 
it's so much discipline in the fitness that these guys have. I mean, it's admirable what I've seen them do in four hours, let alone I'm sure what they do on a daily basis. So all the best to them as they continue that World Cup journey towards the Olympics. Um, elsewhere in Parasport, the Paranordic team, GB Paranordic team, was still in action in Canmore in Canada over the weekend. Um, Scott Mina and Steve Arnold picking up some of their best results ever in the six kilometre biathlon. Scott got a fifth and Steve got 11th. And there was also a 12.5 kilometre where Scott got fourth and Steve Arnold got tenth. Um, there's also been some para snowboarding in Finland and Owen Pick picked up a fifth and a seventh place. So all looking good ahead of those Winter Olympics and Paralympics next year. Finally, Rugby Union, the Army women beat the British police 20 points to 15. A huge defensive effort, effort from the ladies in red. And Jules, a slightly more comfortable victory in the game you watched. I did. I was lucky enough to head to my old club, Isha, uh, to watch an army, very much an army development side. They included six capped players, but there were only ever two of them on the pitch at one time. The rest of the players hadn't been capped at army level. And they were taking on, again, it wasn't the Isha full team. It was an Isha, again, development squad. But the army ran out comfortable winners in their one and only fixture. Can you believe it? of the year they ran out winners 71-21 which I think at this stage of the season building into that into services their head coach Mel Roberts was very encouraged by. Yeah it's pleasing to be back playing rugby it's been a long time coming you know um, and we've spoken about this before George appointed two years ago it's finally sort of like come around and um, yeah no, it was a good performance by the boys I think as you can see from the, the side that we put out this evening there were six cap players and there was only two cap players at any one time on the park so I wanted to give the, the boys in the wider squad the opportunity um, you know identifying talent from the trial identifying talent from the under 23s of which we had two boys in the under 23 squad playing tonight and done really well and stepped up and uh, to the plate and yeah performed really really well you're listening to forces sport on bfbs with me kath brazier and julian evans now for gold medal winning athlete Stu robinson it's been a pretty crazy time um, obviously a lot of celebrating a lot of Getting used to the fact, I think we had the, the premonition that we were going to go to Tokyo and, and to, to, to win a medal, but obviously to come away with a goal was, was an amazing achievement and to come back and celebrate and to celebrate with obviously the friends and family who couldn't be there, but we were there when they returned to celebrate with us. So it's been a pretty amazing time, yeah. And just talk us through, um, almost talk back from the final, at what point did you have the belief because USA, you know, have been there and done it and have been a, a major competitor and a rival for, for many times. But sort of at what point did you think, you know, this is totally doable? Was there a game where you thought we are, you know, we're there, we're top four at the moment? So like I said before, we had the, um, the idea that we won as got their medal and we knew we were in a good place. Um, but with the, the pandemic and us not being able to compete, it was tough to, to gauge how we were going to perform against uh, other nations. Um, our first game was up against the Canadians, which... It was a tough game because they knocked us out of the medal contention in Rio. So straight away we knew it was going to be a tough game and we had to, to perform and to, had to beat them. And we did that. Um, we were pretty confident against the, the, the New Zealand team. We beat them. And again, we were confident that we were going to um, compete and play pretty well against the US in the pool game. And we were, I think, five or six goals up. Uh, just unfortunate that a few errors kind of let that one slip. And um, it still put us in a good position to play the, the host nation Japan in the semi-finals and again we knew that we were we were capable of beating them um, and again we, we applied the game plan we, we put it to, to, to work and we, we beat them and to then play the US again in the final uh, we we went in the morning after the the game plan meeting and we we looked back at the video footage of 
where it went wrong and uh, how we could improve and stuff like that. And we knew that if we got them right that, and cut out the, the little errors that we made ourselves, that we'd have been with a good chance of winning. And fortunately, it, uh, it paid off. Do you think that at a grassroots level, obviously the gold medal will do a lot to have more recognition around the sport and you know, bring more people into the game? Yeah, we've already seen uh, a, a massive uptake in, in people wanting to take part in just local club training sessions. It's been the numbers have massively increased and that can only be a good thing because obviously there's only a certain amount of time whilst the current squad of players and the development lot can continue pushing the sport forward and we have to look to the, the grassroots level and the youth of, of, the, gen, of the generation coming up to, to take the sport forward even more and um, I think winning the gold medals massively helped and um, whether or not we can continue moving forward can hopefully be a good thing and hopefully um, they'll have a, a good opportunity to perform at the highest level with, um, with, with Great Britain and beyond. So, yeah. Has being part of this setup not replaced but, but helped the fact that you're no longer part of the RAF regiment mess room, you, that camaraderie, does that, has that followed you through? Yeah, that was one of my kind of, kind of fears, I think, when I was leaving the military to, to, to join the, the big outside world. Um, and I know a lot of people have different issues and different worries about leaving the military. But for me, I just was more concerned about, am I going to be able to continue that, that camaraderie and that, that banter and stuff like that? And I'm quite fortunate that I've obviously gone into a, a rugby environment, which is pretty similar. And as well, you're, we're in a team sport, so it's the, the banter's back and forth and there's a lot of... Um, no holds barred most of the time in the changing rooms and out on court and stuff like that. But it kind of makes it all worthwhile in the end. Yeah, in this day and age, a lot of people question mark dark humour, but I'm I'm guessing there's an element of dark humour in that changing room. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's massively dark within the military, but <laughs> you then take that into the, the disability sports side of things and things are completely off the scale. Things probably I wouldn't have even thought about um, saying within the military, but if they're happy with saying it, then obviously I'm happy to go with it. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, how important was that camaraderie in the dressing room? Because this is a team that, granted, probably haven't seen a lot of each other in the last two years, but generally the core has been the same. And I, I talk about the management as well. That was, you know, even from the top down, how important was that? I mean, it's, it's self-explanatory, you got a gold, you know, but how important was that to get you over the line in Tokyo? Uh, I think it was massive. I think um, we managed to keep the core of the... The, the banter and the camaraderie and the, the squad togetherness and the nucleus that kind of all the way through the lockdown which probably a little bit as much as pains me to say it helped by the amount of zoom and teams calls and stuff like that but i think it was all uh, pretty much one of the the plans was obviously as much as we couldn't train together the next best opportunity is to to be online and to carry out video analysis sessions or look at different ways that we can do our strength and conditioning sessions and um, we kind of had to hold on to the hope that the the games were going to get the go-ahead and that we were going to get the opportunity to go out there and play and we just wanted to continue our uh, our upwards trajectory towards winning the, that, that gold medal uh, that we had in our heads before we even qualified for Tokyo and we just knew that we were going to get there but obviously applying everything that we'd been through from um, from from a lockdown and from in the garage and training and throwing balls against the wall and to now uh, Competing and putting that together all as a one in a, in a team environment and a, on, on the court kind of helped us um, towards Tokyo as so, well. Yeah. Going through your rehab in Headley Court, you were quite determined, quite adamant early on that this was going to be the sport for you. Did you ever envisage that you would be a Paralympic champion, especially in the, in the short space of time that that's happened? Yeah, I think um, ever since I've been in hospital, that uh, the the goals have always changed and got a little bit higher. Uh, initially, my goal was to just go and play sport and to find something that I enjoyed 
with my newfound disability. Uh, I was quite fortunate that I literally fell into the, my favourite sport straight away. Um, but yeah, I, the, after trying to compete in playing sport, obviously the goal was then set to play at the Invictus Games. I think after one day of competing there, we wanted to win the medal, so that kind of goal shifted straight away. And then from there, when I kind of found that I could then perhaps play at the Paralympic level, the goal when I went to Rio to see the guys compete there was to look, I need to be on court with these guys next and I need to be competing at a Games. Once we'd qualified for the Games, um, the goal shifted yet again and then that was it and then we had to win a medal. And, and even on the day of the, the gold medal match, uh, I remember sitting on the bus uh, with a teammate and he's, he was chatting to me saying he can't believe that we're going to come away from here with at least, a gold, uh, at least a silver medal. And that quote quite wasn't settling well with me um, because the goal had changed it again. Even though we were reaching the gold medal match, we had to win that day. Uh, I wasn't happy with coming away with a silver because you never know what's going to be around the corner and you never know that this could be the, the last opportunity that, that GB win a medal and well for any European nation to win a medal and I thought let's go out there, let's, let's, let's apply what we've learned this morning, let's go and win the gold medal and make every proud back home and thankfully we did. And how have the goals changed now then? You must have new ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, they're always being constantly reassessed, probably not in the same process of 12, 24 hours but um, I think we have a pretty busy uh, schedule for the next couple of years. Obviously, we're trying to fit a four-year schedule into three years, and um, fortunate or unfortunate, despite which way you look at it, that we have um, two competitions next year. So we have the, the Euros in February, and then we have the World Championships in October, um, which will be there and thereabouts, where we'll have had the Paralympic Games, the European Championships, and the World Championships within the space of about 12 months of it. And it's just a, a great opportunity, and probably a quite a unique one because of the compressed time scale that we've got to go out there and play all three within 12 months and potentially come away with, with, with three gold medals. So. And has anyone ever held all three at the same time that you... Uh, they've not, no. So um, we're quite happy that we've won the gold medal at the Paralympics and been the first ever Great Britain and European nation, but to go out there and push it one step further and to win all three would be absolutely unbelievable. So I think that's the next, uh, next target. Holding that, having it round your neck, is that the realisation of, of many years of rehab of, of dreaming does it does it sort of i don't want to say bring a full stop because your sporting career is still going on but does it help you sort of take on board everything that's happened yeah i think um the when the final buzzer went in in tokyo um that was a realization well maybe a little bit earlier than that because when i knocked the american guy down i knew they were going <laughs> to win but i knew that, that mathematically when the buzzer had gone we were definitely won and um for me, being quite an unemotional person, that was um, an emotional time. Um, the fact that we'd gone from four or five years of training very, very hard for this one moment and, and here we are now to come away with a gold medal. And um, I think not only from a, a squad's perspective, because of we were the, an unfunded sport, we were um, unfancy, we were always kind of known as the, the nearly men that were never going to win a medal. And, for the first European and Great Britain to, to win a medal was unbelievable. But from, for, from a personal level, from going, waking up in hospital, realising that I'd gone from Afghanistan at one point to now being in hospital bed with a newfound disability and how am I going to go forward was, this is my, my goal and, and where I come from. And um, very emotional and kind of a lot to take in, but I kind of enjoyed the, the moment and wanted to, to celebrate it very much. And this is obviously a testament to all. Well, not just because he showed us the contents of his pouch. What a fantastic guest. Really good. Yeah, really good. And do you know what? I've, um, I mean, we've both followed, you know, the wheelchair rugby since, um, since Stu was involved. And he's normally a man of not many words, but I really thought that, I don't know whether this gold medal is just, he just seems 
to have so many words now and I just think the experience it's just taken up his life for five years and um, he's got to this point and it was so well deserved because I can't tell you how stressful it was for them to not be funded for all that time and I'm so glad they've they've won it back quite rightly because they never slipped out of the top four in the world and in any sport you know if you're top four in the world you would expect to have funding so um, that was stressful for them and um, from management down it has been an all team effort and I'm just so proud of him and I'm you know to come through the Invictus as well and all the other sports that you know were on on hand and he chose that and went into it and yeah looking through the archive seeing how he's changed as well in the last four or five years amazing a really amazing stuff well let's hope they can keep that momentum going for the Euros which is coming up next year and then of course on to Paris to see if they can defend their title now there was a huge title rivalry going on at the weekend, and, and I What's sort of guess. Did you did you happen to tune in to perhaps one of the dullest dullest conclusions <laughs> to an F one season there ever has been? Dullest, Jules. That was well, the most exciting I mean, I, lap of Formula One I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I, I remember when the drivers would start in the pit lane and have to crank start their vehicles. In fact, for John Knighton, he remembers like the Freddie Flintstone, where they had to use their feet to pedal their way around. But what a conclusion. Have you ever known? I mean, it, it, it felt a bit Hollywood. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the conclusion to the F1 season, which happened over the weekend. We've... Have you been under a rock if you were? Uh... Well, yeah, well, I mean, Max Verstappen uh, doing what he could do for the Dutch. And of course, Lewis Hamilton doing, doing what he could do for Mercedes. And they went into this race tied on points. And it was a it was a clean shootout, basically. Whoever would win on the day would take the title and there was a little coming together with the wall and and uh, a, a, a sort of a tail ender towards the end of the race and they brought out the safety car and and then that's when everything unraveled well so the latest that i've heard of it on its morning and this comes from a very novice formula one point of view because i think yesterday's race was the only one i've watched all season but um, I, I understand that the pundits the fans uh, have been pushing for Formula One not to finish things because the old rules would say that you finish under the safety car and therefore that wouldn't be exciting because no one can overtake and it would have been Hamilton's but by fault of you know being behind a safety car but my understanding is that people have been pushing for rule changes where they could allow that final lap so that it makes it a race it makes it um like you say it makes it Hollywood it makes it dramatic um but of course if you're a British fan and a Hamilton fan you feel hard done by, but actually over the season, Verstappen is a, a very worthy winner of the, of, of the championship. It's been an amazing season. Martin Brundle says in 25 years of Formula One, he's never seen such an amazing season. So it I was only agree. right that it culminated. In... I would agree. I, I mean, I, I wasn't cheering for either driver. You know, I didn't mind. No. I, I didn't. I was quite neutral. Didn't mind who won. But I can imagine if you were in the Hamilton camp, you would feel a little bit aggrieved. I can't. I can't think of any other sporting event where you know you sort of um, this happens where on on the last lap because Verstappen had a slight uh, had a, a slight, slight advantage with his tyres didn't he I couldn't imagine it happening in any other sport that was where... a very Red Bull Christian Horner move to took a complete gamble he is, pitted yeah. and got mm. fresh tyres and the point I think the problem was is that Lewis couldn't pit because he would have lost race position um so I think it was it was just complete gamble right by Red Bull and he's you know I think Horner said with sort of 10 laps to go, we need a miracle, and he got one. Well, I think the race director, Michael Massey, had a part to play in that. And I think we shall call this from now on Verstappen's Law. 
and <laughs> yeah. I think we may need a little bit of Verstappen's law uh, with the Ashes because if oh, England Jules. lose the next four tests, I think what we do is we introduce Verstappen's law and say, hang on, no, it comes down to this last last match so the first four matches australia super. well done yes and then one comes super down over just one, a super over one just super over we're yeah, good at those exactly yeah so things not going well in the ashes you were all excited i'm afraid i've been around for a long time and i could i could see the writing on the wall you were really happy when root and milan gave england some hope but we knew we knew deep down it's the hope that gets you it's the hope that england might wriggle out of it but yeah, but can you please not send me negative texts because I'm already low. I don't need the negativity from you. And you're only right 50% of the time. Am so I? you can stop that right now. <laughs> um, but they can put things right this week, can't they? Yes, they can. And See, I mean, being positive already. <laughs> this is unusual. Josh Hazelwood is out with it, a rib injury, but I'm not sure that's going to make a huge amount of difference. Of course, um, it's the second test in Adelaide, and this is a day-nighter, which a lot of pundits are uh, saying that, that that puts England at an advantage. But will they play... Will they play Broad and Jimmy together, which is what we're all sort of hankering for? Yeah, so but also, I don't think Australia have lost a pink ball match. So I don't know that we're at a massive, massive advantage. If you're scratching your head, wondering what's going on, and the fact that we're not talking Duckworth-Lewis at this stage, uh, Hazelwood is one of the Australians' very quick bowlers, and James Anderson and Stuart Broad are two of England's very quick bowlers. They've been around a long time. Australia are going to be missing one of their speed merchants. And we haven't played our two speed merchants yet. We've been covering them up in cotton wool waiting for this moment so this could be the test when we see England roar back into contention how's yeah, that for you how's that for, so, for being upbeat and positive <laughs> selection was definitely oh, an stunned, issue in the first test <laughs> I don't think it's you if you if there's anything positive that comes through your mouth it's definitely not coming from you there are a lot of penalties going on in the Premier League at the weekend. One of them took place at Anfield, where Stephen Gerrard returned to Anfield, this time as a manager for another team. How he did you feel of... as, a, as a Liverpool fan? How did that... No, don't have a problem with that? No. I mean, he um, lost, so that uh, helps. They, they, yeah, they, they lost 1-0. And there was, I think there was another penalty as well for Manchester City, wasn't there? They, they laboured to a 1-0 win, but it keeps them top, so... Everything stays as it was, really. Chelsea managed to get some points as well. So everything as it was, that's building up. Maybe we need Verstappen's law in that as well. Not sure. Um, <laughs> you saw something quite amusing in some rugby at the weekend. It's not something that I saw on uh, on camera. It was, a, it was actually on social media. And of course, I'm... I'm probably completely behind the curve, but Leicester, who are top of the table and are still continuing their run, have a player called Harry Potter. And there was a picture where he was, he'd obviously taken the ball and was, it was one of those things where he was going so fast, he had to jump over the advertising hoardings that surround the ground. And he just disappeared within like a frame. And of course, a huge amount was made of that on social media because his name's Harry Potter. And I just found that really funny. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> so what was on the other side of this? What was on the other side of this advertising hall? Just, just grass. I think oh, he right. was fine. It's so, just that he'd gone so low down that he oh, right. disappeared behind. And of course, you know, I mean, if there was ever a headline, it would be about the magic of Harry Potter, wouldn't it? So, well, um, yeah, it wasn't a shortcut to Hogwarts or anything like that. He, he and popped given, up again. Given that Harry Potter's only 20 years old, I'm Is pretty he? sure I'm sure his parents must have known that there was a Harry Potter when he was born. Feels but... like it's been around forever. Anyway, there we go. That was my um, my joke. And there was a military pack Quinns team and um, champions, of course, of the Premier 15s. They ended Saracen's unbeaten home run in Premier 15s, 17-36. Amy Kamer's playing first home defeat for Saris in three years. 
Oh, that's good. Um, before we move on to what we're doing this week, I just want to say congratulations to Corporal Sarah Hawkes. She finished the British Judo Champions uh, Championships with a bronze, which is fantastic. That's really, really good. I'm sure she would lose to you if it came down to sumo. But in judo, she's got the edge because she's back now with a British uh, squad. So that's really positive news for Sarah. For for my sumo matches, you have to be dressed in a penguin outfit. Oh, changing the rules. Right. Well, OK. Maybe she'd come as an emu. I don't know how that would work. Well, look, there's not a lot on, to be honest, as we sort of wind down to Christmas. And um, just one thing that's in our news agenda this week, which is the International Horse Show. And of course, that's being shown at Excel or taking place at the Excel Centre in London. John Knighton will be there to see the forces show. Oh, he loves a sugar. He'll go anywhere for a sugar lump, old John. (laughs) Has he been good enough, though, to get one? I, I, is that no that's dogs isn't it are you a good boy you don't say that to a horse do you just no but you only lump. give them a sugar lump if they've been good right I well ask sure. billy apprehaman he was on the last oh, that's true last yeah week. billy he'll tell us well look should you want to hear more from Stu robinson please go and find the full should filmed... you want to no you want to yeah it's it's a good 30 minutes so if you want to see that please go to the bfbs sports show on youtube and you can find that there but that's just about it from forces sport for this week we're now 12 episodes into this new format so i hope you're enjoying it but if you're not or you want to let us know how we're doing please email us at forcesport at bfbs.com you can listen again and catch up with all the weekly programmes at bfbs.com slash podcast or on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Our last show before a two-week Christmas break is next Monday, so please join us then. Jules, goodbye from me and goodbye from you. Goodbye. See you all next week. Goodbye.